We are continuing, we're finishing our task series, task part eight. You know, uh, uh, my series is tend to go really long, you know, though never here. When I was pastoring in Big Fork, we did a series that took, took three years to finish. We did everything that Jesus said in the Bible, all the red letters everywhere. It took three years. And, uh, you know, and I thought, well, hey, that's like the same amount of time that Jesus was on the earth, you know, in his ministry was three years. And so it was like, well, I that, guess that worked out pretty well. But this is only week eight for tasks, and we're finishing it up this week. Next week, Pastor Larry's going to bring a good message on the miracle power of thankfulness. And uh, then uh, another week after that, uh, we're going to start a new series called This Little Light, which is about how do Christians interact with the dark world. One of the things that we have to do well is shine the light of Christ in this world. And you know, sometimes Christians aren't very good at shining the light of Christ in this world. They alienate people, they hurt people, they cause problems, rather than bringing truth and help and light. And so we're going to talk about, uh, about that. How do Christians interact with a fallen, dark world? Well, that'll be starting up in a, in a few weeks. Um, today, let's finish up tasks. So... What we've been talking about is your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. You have been tasked, you have been called by God for a purpose, for a mission. We've been basing this on John 15, 16, Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So Jesus says to his disciples who became the apostles, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I've got a plan for you. You're not figuring this out on your own. I'm picking you, taking you, and saying, do this. And that's true for each one of us as well. There's different things that he asks us to do, uh, but there are also things that he asks all of us to do. And so there's verse 17. That was week two. This is my command. Love each other. I should do the middle part too. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Isn't that a huge promise? Do you know what that means? That means that whatever you ask for, that God has commissioned you for, you can have. It's not uh, the magic words at the end of a prayer that make it work. You know what I mean? Like, Lord, turn, uh, turn the drum set into gold in Jesus' name. You know, those magic, those aren't the magic words that make it work. What it means is, if God has called us to do something, if we're doing it under His authority, in His name, because He has commissioned it, we can ask for whatever we need, and He will equip us to do our mission. So can we ask God for children's areas? Absolutely. Will He give us children's areas? He has. Hallelujah for that. Praise God. How about a kitchen? Lord, we, I would love a kitchen. You know, Uh We can ask God for a kitchen so we can have fellowship meals together so that we can do things at different times. We can ask God for that and He will equip us for that. He will give us that if we ask because He's commissioned us to be a church. And so we can believe God for those things. And so that's very important. Asking in Jesus' names means under His authority what He's commissioned you for. So you've got to find out what the promises are, pray the promises, and then you can receive them. So the second week we talked about love. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be a person of love. Then we talked about faith. 
Being a person of faith, walking by faith, not by sight. That's the thing that unlocks the power of God in your life. We talked about the Great Commission, that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's an us job. We do that together. We talked about worshiping God. We are to come to to the Lord, worship in spirit and in truth. We talked about being your part of the body, doing your giftings, bringing your gift to the table to serve the Lord with. Last week, we talked about being born again. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to let the old go and grab onto the new. To let all your failures and mistakes and misconceptions and problems and all that junk, you don't have to fix it. Just let it go. And be born again into freedom. Be born again into a heritage. Be born again into wisdom. Be born again into victory. Be, be born again into being a blessing. And this week, we're going to finish up with your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to fight the good fight. So let's pray and look at that this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Fight the good fight. This terminology comes from the Apostle Paul. He's a, he's a battler. He's a scrapper. If you know the Apostle Paul, he likes to mix it up. He's not afraid of confrontation. He's ready to go in. So he talks about fighting the good fight. He talks in, uh, in the Corinthian letters, he talks about, I do not fight as someone beating the air. What he's talking about there is, is he's getting toe-to-toe with the enemy. He's not staying back and pretend shadow boxing, but he's, he's getting in the mix. What happens when you get in the mix? You get clocked from time to time. You know, you see stars every now and again. You spit a tooth out from time to time. That's how it goes. And so if you're going to come up and actually get into the place where you're doing warfare for the kingdom of God, understand you're going to get, you're going to get hit. The only way to keep you safe is to disengage. Don't disengage. Fight the good fight. And then the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. He's the young up-and-coming minister. His grandmother was a huge person of faith. His mother was a person of faith. This is a third-generation Christian that's being talked about in the New Testament. So, like, this is from right away. This family has had a godly heritage, a Christian heritage, as much as anybody. He's a third-generation believer that the Apostle Paul is encouraging. He's a young man. They've prayed for him. They had prayer meetings where there was prophecy and and good things going on, and they prophesied over Timothy, you're going to do good things for the Lord. You're going to be someone that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. And so Paul writes him a letter and says, come on, man. You might be young, but fight the good fight. And so let's, let's look at that. First Timothy begins with fight the good fight. It finishes with fight the good fight. So let's look at First Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Is it possible to shipwreck your faith? It's in the Bible. How could we shipwreck our faith? By letting go of faith and a good conscience. 
Faith is trusting God, believing the promises of God. A good conscience is, is when you know what you're supposed to do or what you're not supposed to do, go ahead and follow through with that. Have you ever had times where you can just feel inside, I'd better not do this? Or you just feel inside, I had better do this? What that is, uh, with all positive... You know, the, the enemy can speak to you too. Did you know that? Some people, bad voices. I'm talking about the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us will communicate with our spirit and we can tell if we're in line with the Holy Spirit or if we're separating from the Holy Spirit. A good conscience is when we keep our spirit in line with the Holy Spirit and we can feel that. We can feel when we're doing right as we're being led by the Spirit or if we're straying away and doing wrong. We can feel it. It's our conscience. It's a co-knowing. Our spirit and the Holy Spirit understanding together and intermingling our conscience. So hold on to faith and do what you know to do. That will keep you from shipwrecking your faith. And that's what Paul encourages Timothy in. Fight the good fight. Hold on to faith and a good conscience. Does Jesus ever say, fight the good fight? He doesn't. However, he says something repeatedly, which is the same concept. And we see that in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. This is in the Bible, in the Gospels, six times in various forms. And how many Gospels are there? There's four. So it's in every Gospel and in two of them twice. So this must be important. Jesus says in Mark chapter 8, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, so who did Jesus say this to? Whoever was in earshot. Hey, come here. I got something important to say. He's in the marketplace, wherever he's at. There's crowds of people. Come here. Come here, come here. The teacher has something. So there were disciples there and there were just crowds. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus doesn't say fight the good fight, but he says take up your cross. Is that a fight? Oh man, that's a battle. Take up your cross and follow me. We need to... We need to be born again. That's what this is talking about. Setting the old down, grabbing hold of the new. Being done with that and grabbing hold of the truth of God and who you are in Christ. Lay the old down. Do you know the new life is better than the old one? That's one of the great lies of the devil is that the old life is better. Baloney. You've got to get good at the new life. We'll talk about that at the end. Because if you're an incompetent Christian, your life is going to be miserable. You'll believe the right things, but you'll have a very, very painful life. That's no fun. But that's not the abundant life that God has called us to. So we want to carry our cross and follow Him. So, what is this fight? 
How do we take up our cross? How do we fight the good fight? How do we take up our cross and follow him? Because isn't that kind of like fluffy? What do you do? You know, like, show me. Who do I punch? I'm supposed to punch somebody? Who? Who? You know, how do I do this? You know, that's what Peter, Jesus said to the disciples before, before Jesus was going to be hauled away on that night before he was crucified. He says, get some swords. And Peter's like, yes, I've been waiting for this. And then the, the bad guys come and Peter takes the sword and wham, he smacks a guy Right in the head. You remember that? And he cuts his ear off. You know, I mean, if he cut off his ear, he's going for cracking him down the middle of the skull. That's what he was going for. And uh, so Peter was like, I'm ready to fight the good fight. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your swords were there so that you could escape. Not so that you could be killing people. So that you could do this. And then that's what they did. They ran. Without being captured. So how do we do this? We can misunderstand, fight the good fight. We can misunderstand, carry your cross. So let's try to get a grasp of that. Let me tell you why I became a Christian. People become Christians for various reasons. Some hit rock bottom and they got nowhere to go, so they cry out to God and God meets them there. That wasn't what happened with me. Some people, they need, they need to be loved. They need purpose. They see love and purpose in following God and following Christ, so they do that. Some people are just ashamed of their past. They want forgiveness. They understand that forgiveness is in Christ, so they, they're drawn. Some people are born into being believers. You know, they're taught it from when they're little. They believed it when they're little. That's my wife's testimony. She got saved when she was four. She doesn't even remember it. She believed in God her whole life. Hallelujah for that. That's the best testimony, by the way. Because that's a heritage testimony. Here's why I believe, here's why I became a Christian. Because God is real and because His kingdom is worth fighting for. God is real and His kingdom is worth is worth fighting for. That's what I'm doing here. That's what Paul says to Timothy. Fight the good fight. So simply put, fighting the good fight, carrying our cross, what that's talking about is do battle to advance the kingdom of God. We are trying to advance the kingdom of God. There's two primary ways we need to advance the kingdom of God. The first way is in our own hearts. We have to advance the kingdom in here. If we don't do that, we're in real serious trouble. Because you remember John 3, 6 that we read, I think last week or the week before. John 3, 6 says this, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. The thing we have in here is the thing that we're going to reproduce. I've got three boys, three kids. I love having children. They're getting old now. The youngest one is a junior in high school, which is absolutely insane. You know, I'm, I've, my wife is always like, since they were born, she's like, oh, but they might grow up. And I'm like, yeah, of course they will. That's how it's supposed to work. But now that we're almost there, two of them are gone. We got one left. I'm like, oh no, they might grow up. You know, <laughs> I'm very concerned about that. But 
the kids need to grow up. They need to understand. But we, we, you know, people give birth to people. Not they don't give birth to lions or you know or we we give birth to people. Who we are shows in what we reproduce. And when you have kids, you see your mistakes in your kids. Have you seen that? You're like, oh no. I wish I wasn't like that because now I've given it to my kids. Great. If we're going to advance the kingdom of God, we have to have the right things on the inside or we're going to end up reproducing the wrong things. And so the first place the kingdom of God has to advance is in our own hearts. We need God. We need His Spirit. We need His truth. We need the renewing of the mind. We need to be born again in our own hearts first. And then we fight to advance the kingdom of God out there. In our families. Some people, their mission field is their family, their immediate family, their spouse, their kids, their parents. Thanksgiving's coming up this week. I'll be having Thanksgiving dinner with people who don't believe in God. We do battle out there all the way to the foreign mission field. We fight to advance the kingdom of God. Have you ever fought the wrong fight? Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been doing battle, but I just realized I've been fighting the wrong fight. I've been battling with the wrong things. I've been putting my energies into something that wasn't worth putting my energies into. The terrorists are doing that. They're fighting the wrong fight. I'm sure they're fully convinced that they're doing right. You know what I mean? Have you ever been just like super mad and you did something evil and you thought it was the right thing to do at the time because you're just that dark on the inside? Have you ever... They're all staring at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. It's true. It's true. You've been there. And you're convinced they deserved it. But you're deceived. The terrorists are in that place. They think they're serving God. And they're serving the devil. They're serving darkness. They're serving evil. They're serving death. The Apostle Paul fought the wrong fight before he got saved. He was fighting for God to destroy Christianity. And then on the road to Damascus, and he's going to go catch himself some Christians, the Lord knocked him off his horse, had a vision, his life changed. And he let go of the old, he grabbed hold of the new. It's uh, it's Jersey Day today at church. Hallelujah for that. I'm glad. I hope you enjoy the game. If you're going to watch the game, I'm 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 being neutral. I'm wearing the black shirt today because uh, you know, hey, some people are football fans. That's awesome. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to enjoy the game. But not everybody's a football fan, so I wanted to make sure to represent everybody else. So hallelujah for that. <laughs> but here's the deal: if the essence of who you are is tied up in whether or not the team you root for wins. You're fighting the wrong fight. You're, you're, you're battling for the wrong things. You know, enjoy football. Great. 
Enjoy hunting. Great. If that's the core of who you are, you're fighting the wrong fight. You're putting your energy in the wrong places. Let that be a diversion and enjoyment, a a relaxation suite. But if that's your life battle, that's a problem. We can fight the wrong fight with triangles. I went to a compassion fatigue seminar where, you know, people in like nursing fields and EMTs and ministry people and all kinds of different people, uh, if they're in a situation where they're helping people a lot, they can develop what they call compassion fatigue, um, which is a lot closer to PTSD than what I thought based on the training that I went to. But the guy was really smart that was doing the training, and he's a psychology guy and not a Christian or anything, but, uh, you know, so he had a few things out there. But anyway, he talked about triangles, and he says to the group, well, you guys know about triangles. I'm like, "Uh, I don't really know about triangles. He's like, yeah, well, triangles, you know. Uh, And so he says, like, here's the classic triangle. Husband has trouble with his boss at work. Boss is pushing him around. Boss is being unfair. And husband is, you know, having problems. So husband comes home and yells at wife. So you've got three players involved. You've got the husband who's having problems at work, but then instead of dealing with the work issues, he takes it out on his wife. That's a triangle. It's one of the psychological mistakes that people make. And so... If I'm having difficulty with my life, but I take it out on the wrong people, I'm fighting the wrong fight. If I'm, you know, having struggles, Lord, show me what to say, and I got nothing to say, and I'm all just burned out and tired, and then I I take it out on my wife, well, guess what? That's a triangle. I'm fighting the wrong fight. Why would I fight with her over my lack of connection with God? Makes no sense. It's a wrong fight. And so watch for those triangles. I thought to myself, you know what? That's true. That does happen, doesn't it? Well, be looking for those. It's like uh, people blame the government. You know, like if if business isn't going good, blame the government. I saw a hilarious video. I don't know. You guys probably were in church, so you you don't like Obama in church, right? But if you're not in church, people can like Obama. But anyway, so uh, I saw this really funny video. He is a a charismatic guy. I mean, he can say things that are funny. And he's got a glass of milk and a cookie. This is the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the free world. He's sitting there at his desk with a a glass of milk and a cookie. And he dunks the cookie in the milk, but it's too big to fit in the glass. And he, you know, it's like, oh. And he gives a frustrated look and he does it again and it it won't go in. And he goes, thanks, Obama. You know, (laughs) like... That, I thought, dude, that's funny. That's good stuff. Because we can get to blaming the wrong thing. You know, like if you can't dunk your cookie, break it in half and dunk it. It's not the government's fault. Solve your problem. Those are triangles. That can cause us to fight the wrong fight. We're putting our energy into attacking something that isn't the issue. We don't want to get hung up in triangles. Let's look at three worthy battles real quick that we should be fighting. And then we'll do the bookend at the end of Timothy of fight the good fight of the faith. 
First battle is the internal battle against our own sin and ignorance. We have to fight against our own sin and ignorance. You know, you get born again, you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, make me new. And God forgives us of our sins and we're born again, we're made new. Hallelujah. And then we're just done. No, then we have a battle to fight, right? Because I heard a, a preacher one time say, you know, the old man heard about the resurrection and he wants in on that too. You know, the body of sin wants to come up again. The old way wants to come up again. So we've got to fight against that. We've got to fight against our sinful nature and we've got to fight against our own ignorance. And so how do we do that? Primary weapons in fighting the internal battle. Weapon number one is repentance. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah for that. You can make another mistake and get forgiven again. He is faithful and just. He's just because Jesus had, has paid the price. <laughs> I'm just getting distracted. Super fan is here. Awesome. Anyway. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right. Uh, I have enough trouble when there aren't distracting things around. You know what I mean? Like, uh, So, primary weapons in fighting the internal battle. Weapon number one, repentance. Weapon number two is being spirit-led, not flesh-led. Let's read Romans 8, 5 through 9. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Have you been there? With the thoughts inside your mind, you know, aren't God's thoughts. Yeah, you have. Right. So have I. All right. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. When I was a new Christian, I got a job painting apartments. And that was, it was just whitewash, you know, same paint as it was on there. Just, you know, you just make a big mess, splash paint on everything, you're done. And I got the Bible on cassette tape. And I was painting apartments all summer long. And I listened to the Bible, the whole Bible, three times through. And I listened to the New Testament ten times in one summer. And I wanted to know, what does this thing say? Because people talk about it, and I believe it, but I don't know what's in it. So I need to find out. I got a lot of information that summer. You can really get close to God painting apartments. (laughs) We want to have God's thoughts. We want our minds on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. I'm going to let that one go, but we have to have the heart of God. So we've got the internal battle, weapons, repentance, and being spirit-led. The next battle is the defensive battle against the curse and oppression. Did you know that you will be attacked by the devil? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Now, I don't believe in a, you know, 
It seems like there's two people, the people that over-spiritualize everything and the people that under-spiritualize everything, and we need to get the truth, right? So don't be just like, no, there is no darkness out there. That's all mythical. It's just we all go to heaven and let's just leave it at that. No, there's a spirit world and there's battles that go on. But guess what? A lot of stuff, maybe you ate something that's not good. It's not demonic. It's just that it's, you know... Doesn't, doesn't agree with you. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Peter is saying, be self-controlled and alert. Watch out because guess what? There's somebody that wants to get you in the spirit realm. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Be aware. Be self-controlled and alert and resist When we have oppressive battles against us, we need to resist them through the power of God. And then faith. Faith unlocks the power of God in our lives. We need to walk by faith. That's how we can battle against the oppression and the darkness. We can believe God and we can fight the good fight of faith. And then we've got the battle of the offense. We go on the offense. You know that... God's kingdom is worth fighting for. We're not just to fight against the inner yuck. We're not just to be able to defend ourselves against the onslaught of arrows from the devil, but we are to come against the darkness and make advances. Amen? What are our battles with that? What are our weapons that we have? The first weapon is the church. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, Now he's talking to Peter, who was named Simon, but he renames him Rock. Peter just means rock. They didn't translate it into English. They left it in the the other language, so it's Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I always thought the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I mean, do the gates advance? No, we're advancing on the gates. We are plucking people out of the clutches of death and hell into eternal life. It's an offense. When we work together, we stand together, we form our ranks, we can do battle in the spirit realm and advance the kingdom of God. Last thing, a primary weapon in our offensive battle against the kingdom of darkness is the authority from God to do what you've been called to do. Matthew 10.1 says this, He called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So they can do that in Jesus' name because God gave them that authority. Whatever your gifting is, you've been given authority to do that. You've been given the opportunity. You've been given power from God. So we walk in the authority that the believer has. That's how we can be on the offensive. We can walk in that authority. Different people will have different giftings. Whatever gifting we've been given, we have authority to exercise that gift. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're just going to do... 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. So again, Paul bookends 1 Timothy with fight the good fight in chapter 1. And in the last chapter, chapter 6, he says, fight the good fight. And the stuff in the middle is kind of explaining how to do that for him. Verse 
11 gives us the character traits necessary to fight this fight. I'm a wrestling coach. I love wrestling. Fabulous sport. You need to be strong. You need to be fast. You need to have good balance. You need to have good technique. You need good strategy. Man, you need heart if you're going to succeed as a wrestler. What do we need on the inside of us to succeed as believers? 1 Timothy 6.11 But you, man of God, flee from all this. He's talking about greed. He's talking about squabbling in church and all the goofy stuff people do. You, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. These are the things that we need if we're going to fight the good fight. These are the character traits we need to have. Righteousness. I'm thankful for a righteousness that's not my own, but then as I learn how to follow Christ better, I make less mistakes. Godliness set aside for the purposes of God. Being a light in this world. Faith. Love. Endurance. You know, this isn't a... This isn't a 30-second fight. This goes on for decades. This goes on and on and on. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Gentleness. You ever tried to fight in gentleness? That's frustrating. That's part of the deal. That's how it works. Otherwise, we end up getting pulled into the wrong things. And then, verse 12. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. That take hold, it means to seize. It, it's an, it means to go and get it and grab onto it and apprehend it. Go get it. It could be translated kidnap. Grab it and pull it in. Eternal life, abundant life, a purposeful life, it's there, but we have to seize it. We have to actively go get it. That's God's plan. If we just passively sit here, we're going to miss things. So let's pray for courage. Let's pray for strength. Let's pray for a good grip so that we can grab a hold of the eternal life that God has called us to and so that we can fight the good fight. I'll pray together with all of us, and then I'll invite people to come up for personal prayer. You can pray up here all the way through the song that starts the next service. Not a problem. Just keep praying. Let's pray together first. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have put in our hearts something from you that's not from us. Praise you, Lord, for that. Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived and fight the wrong fights, that we wouldn't 
hurt people who are innocent. Lord, that we wouldn't do damage when your love is what's necessary. Lord, show us if we've been fighting the wrong fights, what those things are, and bring us to repentance so that we can push that aside and that we can advance your kingdom instead of advancing other things. Show us. And Lord, show us how to apprehend, how to seize, how to take hold of the eternal life right now that we've been called to. Let us grab hold of it. Bring it in. Because you're real, your promises are true, and your kingdom is worth fighting for. Help us to grab hold. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person that's in this place. Lord, I pray your strength would be with us. Lord, that your light would just burst forth and shine in our hearts and overflow to our world. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can come on down for personal prayer. It doesn't matter what the need is. If, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one, come on down. If you've got a physical need, financial need, emotional, relational need, or you just need a blessing, doesn't matter. Come on down and get prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.